0: What's going on, good people? Welcome to the new episode of the Porto Podcast. I have a man that I won't even try to introduce. I'll just introduce him as my good friend, Josh Cronkey. Josh, what's good, brother? How are you? I'm good, PR. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for making the time. I know you're super busy. Um, Where do you find yourself? Absolutely. You're
1: in LA? I'm out in Los Angeles at the moment. Um, Was in Denver most of the quarantine lockdown last spring. Uh, and then have been back out here uh, as the American football season started back up. Got it. So we're going to get into
0: a bunch of things that you are doing at uh, Cronky Sports and Entertainment. Um, But first, and and I didn't prep you for this, but I think you know me well enough to know exactly where I'm going. You have one of the all-time most epic high school basketball stories that I love to tell at dinner parties. Uh, (laughs) When you you were in the gym, you remember the story I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you mind, um, do you mind please no. kicking this show So
1: off? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I was, um, this is, it was actually the most fun I've had telling this story was of course, telling it to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and I was a, I was a rising senior in high school. I was a good player. I wasn't a great player by any means. Um, but I was like a top 50 recruit I think in the country. And so I got invited to play on this traveling team that was going to go to Europe. And, uh, so we go to Columbus, Ohio, we go to the gym. And uh, for those that don't know, I was, I was a basketball player back in the day. And so anyway, we go to the gym and um, in Columbus and we're playing and we're scrimmaging and a couple guys on my, on my team were, were really good players. There was one guy going to Kentucky, one guy going to UCLA, um, another guy going to Maryland, uh, another guy going to North Carolina, Donald Little going to Cincinnati, I think. And so I, um, you know we're scrimmaging and we it's going back and forth and uh you know I think even there was even some pro, some pro coaches there and uh the run was run was really good and I was doing fine but I got subbed out of the scrimmage and I came over to the, the sideline and um there's a guy standing there a local guy and he's talking to another guy that had just walked into the gym and You know, at that age, and I I think PR, this is where it kind of gets funny, because like at that age, you know, when you're growing and you're and you're going through your different growth spurts, And one, everybody matures at a different rate of speed throughout life. I mean, I think I actually grew until I was, I don't know, 20, 21. I mean, it it seemed that's what it seemed like it. Um, But anyway, um, you know, one one of those one year in high school is like a lifetime. And so we're all the top 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 rising seniors in the country and we're out there scrimmaging and the guy's like yeah you know he's pretty good you know he's not bad that kid going to ucla is pretty good but man i'm telling you there's an eighth grader up in akron that's better than all these dudes <laughs> and i remember sitting there and hey, you hear like,
0: this you you hear him say that
1: yeah of course and i was like i mean i turned and like it was like you know the 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 nick young meme where you're like you know, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a meme moment where I was like looking at him with my head cocked sideways, not understanding what I just heard. And then, you know, a couple of years later, sure enough, I see on ESPN that a team from Akron's about to play on, and uh, that was the first time I saw LeBron play. Um, and I, I, I didn't see, I didn't see him play live, but I saw him on ESPN, and it only took a few minutes, and I was like, "Yep, he, I bet as an eighth grader, I bet he was better than all of us." <laughs> That's amazing, man. I literally tell that story. It was, it was funny. At any was dinner funny. party. It was funny. It was uh oh, yeah, Columbus, man. Ohio. Um, and the Ohio <laughs> boys, man. Yep. It's funny so, how funny how life evolves, man.
0: Isn't it right? Full circle, right? Um mm-hmm. so you go to school at Missouri, right? You hoop at Missouri?
1: Yeah, University of what's, Missouri. What's that experience like? You go to school, you hoop? No, it was cool. I mean, you know, I don't know where you were gonna go with with, with what you were gonna say. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was an honor to play for my hometown state. I grew up from in Missouri. Um, I went away to prep school for a year, came back to go to go to college. Um, sorry if it looks like my hands are moving a lot. I have I have a puppy. She's she's There's sitting my right guy. here. Yeah. She, there I don't guy. know if you, I don't know if you I don't know if you met her yet. This Wait, is, no, this, that's not. This is, this is A new girl. Uh, this oh, is, let this me is, see her. Let me see her. What's up, Hattie? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Hattie's Hattie's eight months old. I got her uh, in early April. Um Arnie's still sitting right here too, though. Don't worry. not You know how
0: me and Arnie do. Me and Arnie have party yeah, in here. Aspen.
1: Come here. Yeah, Arnie, Arnie can say hi too.
0: Arnie, there what up, is. homie? There, there he is. He is. <laughs> hi, <buddy>. hi. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: me and um, Arnie's
0: been in the club in Aspen before.
1: Yeah, man. Arnie Arnie goes everywhere. <laughs> Arnie's Arnie's a well behaved man. He's a well-behaved <laughs> man. had he Hattie not so much yet. She's trying to, to take a notes from Big Brother. She'll um anyway, where was I? Uh Mizzou. Um is that where we were? Yeah, you were saying you were hooping at Mizzou. Yeah, hooping at Mizzou. Um, and it was a great experience, honestly. I mean, you know, I think we all, all have uh, college teams that we cheer for growing up. And being from Missouri, that's, that's the one that I cheered for. And it was an honor to play for them and met a lot of great people. Then um, moved to New York City after that. Being a college basketball player, I couldn't do a lot um, from an internship standpoint. And so I interned with the NBA League office uh, for a year, which was an amazing experience um, for what I do now uh and then i worked got out of the sports industry altogether, and worked in real estate finance for a couple of years in new york and then moved to denver in 2007 and been working for um, KSE ever since um started off kind of doing different you know odds and end things and my dad let me learn the ropes of the business in a lot of different ways from a lot of different people and uh and I, I love it. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun and getting to meet really cool people like yourself, my man. Getting really my cool. man, my man. <laughs> Let
0: me ask you, Josh. So so when you go to Mizzou, you're hooping, you know, just your affinity for sport, passion for sport, business, and Kroenke is one of the most successful people in real estate and sport and all of that stuff. Are you, Are you? do you know in college you want to be in the family business? You may not know at what point or how, but do you know
1: then? Um, I wasn't. I wasn't really sure to be frank. Um, I uh I had done, you know, I'd been around my dad's office some in, in Missouri. Um I knew the people that worked there, all wonderful people. Uh, but I tried to to forge my own path as much as I could, kind of going up. And that was kind of the, the the outlet that that being a basketball player gave me um in hindsight was kind of being my own person and having my own identity. And so I was very keen on that, um, kind of coming out of Mizzou. Um but Three years into, into living in New York, I talked to one of my best friends, Mike, um, who I think you met a bunch of times too, yep. and um, and he was just he and I, I was kind of listing off all the reasons why I didn't think it was a good idea <laughs> to work in the in the family business. And at the end of the conversation, he just kind of smiled and he was just like, "You're just trying to find you know anything and everything." And he's like, "I he goes, I think it's it's a dumb move if you don't try it for for a little while because I think you'd be a natural." Um, and so I moved to Denver in 2007, and 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 then. I haven't looked back since. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And as our business has expanded across, uh, you know, into London, um, out into Los Angeles now, uh, it's been great. And um, like I said, I've met a lot of great people from a lot of different walks of life. and So uh, I'm enjoying it immensely.
0: And let me ask you this. I've had the pleasure of meeting Stan. Um, I know he's a no-nonsense guy, as amazing as he is. I know he wasn't gonna, you know, there's no way. And we've never discussed this, your journey. But I know there's no way he's like, hey, son, come on in. Here are the keys, run this thing. Like, what were were early days in the family business? Like, I know Stan, like I said, he's a real guy. And he's going to be like,
1: you're going to be in this thing. You're going to be in this thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. We still have many real days, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, No, I mean, I think, you know, he, my father and my mother um, have always been very encouraging of me to be myself. you know, no question is a dumb question, um, and uh, you know he he definitely took that that same approach. Uh, I think initially um, he did. The, the cool thing about my dad was he let me what I guess I would say float a little bit initially when I moved mm-hmm. to Denver. Um, he wanted to make sure that you know I wasn't let's say say float. He wasn't checking up on me too much, but he wanted to make sure he knew that I was I was getting some work done and people uh, were using me and however they wanted to, whether it was making copies. Um, or, you know, running errands. Uh, uh, But um, he he let me move around, which was was great, because it let me go between, you know, marketing meetings, uh, finance meetings, all the way down to basketball ops. Um, And he let me hang out with the Nuggets more initially, because to be frank, that was where um, that was where I grew up on. I I knew basketball. And so if I was going to learn the sports business from the ground up, it, it made a lot of sense to do it on the basketball side. And now I can take a lot of those principles that I learned early on and apply those to the avalanche, um, to Arsenal, um, to help out with the Rams here in Los Angeles. Now Uh, the Colorado Rapids, again, back in Denver, we're working on some things. And so there's just a lot of, a lot of different, it's all different, I guess, fruit, but it's all fruit to fruit. And you might be having apples, oranges and watermelons, but uh, there's a lot of different ways you can apply a lot of different things that that you do across your team. For sure. So
0: I purposely didn't, Give you a proper introduction when I introduce you, because you do so much. So saying you do this for the Nuggets or do this for that team would be an understatement. So what I want to do is I kind of want to like double back and mm-hmm. mention a couple of clubs or teams, and then have you talk yeah. about your role. So um, let's start with a little club called Arsenal. Oh,
1: sorry, Hattie just jumped into my lap. <laughs> there you go. She get the yeah. of it. Little, little club called Arsenal. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not a little club. I can tell you that. Some much. of the most loyal <laughs> fans in the world, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, incredible, incredible support around the world from from all different areas of the globe. Really, uh, it's amazing the the stuff that you see online and the feedback that we get um, at the club from the different fan groups around the world. It's awesome.
0: And what's what's your you know, what's your role with the club um, on a day to day? Let's say
1: obviously, I know you have specific the, people that work yeah. on each club, but what's your on the day to day? Uh, on a day-to-day with Arsenal, I mean specifically, I'm I'm a, I'm on I'm a, I'm a director on the board, um, and that's been for a long time now. And Arsenal is, is structured slightly different than we have our our club structured here in the United States, um, but Arsenal uh, has been a club um, that was publicly owned for its entire history uh, up until just a few years ago um, when we bought the remaining share share. It was several different shareholders, but it was one, one major shareholder. Um, and we now as, as KSC own hundred percent of the club. And so, uh, I'm a director. Um, my father is the owner. I report directly to him. Um, and then we have several other board members, uh, including Phil Harris, Tim Lewis, um, and myself, uh, along with our new CEO, he's been there at the club for a long time, but he was just promoted to CEO. Uh, and we try to sift through any, anything and everything. And, um, to be frank, the last uh, six months or so—I mean, are we into month six now of this? Let's see: March, March, April, May, June, yeah, July. I mean, we're yeah. So I mean, we're yeah. um, the last six months have been like drinking from a fire hose. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like the the it wasn't really a joke. I guess it was a statement that I would make to whoever was was listening to me on the many Zoom calls that I was on um, throughout this process. Uh, but you know, I was like, how do you prepare for when the world stops? Mm. And I don't know that you fully can, um, and so you try to do your best. You try to kind of lean into the moment. That's been another slogan that I've I've done throughout this whole COVID thing. Is that you know, everybody's trying to lean in and figure out how we're all going to get through this because the world has kind of just slowed down to almost not a complete halt, but a screeching a screeching sl- screeching halt to a slow roll. Let's just say that, <laughs> and uh, and it's been it's been an adventure for everybody. And um, so um, you know I. We have uh, our new our new manager we hired at the beginning of middle of last season, Mikel Arteta. Um, it's hard for me to place timelines going as I think through this on a on a quick basis. So it's it's been it's been an adventure. But in, at Arsenal, I mean, I, I deal with everything from um, really you know high level high level marketing and finance. Sorry, she she keeps biting. No, foot. you're good. You're good. <laughs> she's our co uh, host. Yeah, the, the least, the, least of the viewers listeners know that they're getting the, the authentic <laughs> experience with a puppy running at my feet. Um, but. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, all the way, you know, from from the business side all the way over to the sporting side. And really, you know, we have – our motto is to kind of hire great people and to let them do their jobs and to help support them and provide the resources when possible. Um, and that's no different from Arsenal to the L.A. Rams to the Denver Nuggets to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, you know, we, we try to put people in their, in their roles, provide the resources. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I talk about and we've talked about at Arsenal a lot is um, – a rolling one, three, and five-year plan. And so you're always kind of tracking yourselves in relation to the goals that you've set as an organization while keeping a, an eye on different horizons. Um, and I think that over at Arsenal in particular, we've really got a good group going on behind the scenes, um, led by Mikel Arteta and Edu and Gaspar as our technical director. Uh, we've changed our model around and we've got a great bunch of guys that are ready to get to work and I know we're fired up for the season.
0: It's funny, speaking of being fired up, it's like it's
1: easy to to –
0: falsely think like, because you're here in the States that your focus is solely the Nuggets or solely the Avalanche or solely the Rams. What are you looking forward to with the club?
1: Um, You know, it it sounds funny, um, but when, so at at the club we went through a big transition period over the last few years. Um, uh, We had a legendary manager, Arsene Wenger, um, had been with the club for over 20 years. Um, He left the club in 2018. Uh, we hired another man named Unai Emery. Um, they've had a, thought I had a wonderful first season. It just unfortunately didn't work out. And so we've landed in a place, uh, where we hired a new head coach at the middle of last season. Um, his name is Mikel Arteta. Um, and in that process, and before that process, we also brought in a gentleman named Edu Gaspar, um, who is the technical director slash what I guess in North America you'd refer to almost as a GM. Um, and, uh, Edu is a player at the club. So was Mikel a long time ago. Not Mikel not a long time ago, to be honest. But Edu in the mid-2000s. Um, Mikel only like five, six years ago. Um, and they're both energetic young guys with a lot of ideas about, about football. And you know, we talk about the one, the three, and the five. And it's, it's different trying to apply certain principles to English football, European football, as it is to apply them to our North American franchises. Um, just because the rules are so different of how things kind of work with promotion, relegation, um, buying players instead of trading players. Um, so it's all like I said, it's all fruit to fruit, but it is it is different at times. Um, and so I'm just really excited about the the culture that those guys have created um, and the personalities that we have going on behind the scenes. Because, uh, you know, to, to win a championship, it starts with a feeling. And, uh, you know, LJ and I've talked about about culture a lot. Um, and championship culture is, and championship pedigree is something that you have to build over time, and it starts with a feeling and a trust in one another, and I think that we have that in spades at over at Arsenal right now.
0: Love it. I want to I wanna transition to uh, the Avalanche, uh, mm-hmm. a, a team and franchise you're equally as excited about. Talk to me a little bit about,
1: about your role day-to-day with the Avalanche. Uh, they all, all these, all, you're going to hear kind of similar answers to some of this stuff um, because I'm in constant contact with our, our GM, Um, Joe Sackick who's done a wonderful job building that that squad that team over the last several years Um, and you know as like I mentioned with with the feeling the feeling with Mikel and Edu, with Joe and our head coach uh, Jared Bednar uh, you know we've had that feeling for the last few years and it started um, you know and we've we've had some high draft picks over the years you know it starts with a, a group of guys that you know probably they, they weren't succeeding at the time because that's what leads you to have to unfortunately make changes. Um, we made changes several years ago started about talking about the one, the three and the five. And when you can really have honest conversations and dialogue about where you are presently, where you think you'll be in 12 months, where you think you'll be in 36 months and you know, a five-year horizon for sustainability. Um, as long as everybody's on the same page and you're not shifting any goalposts as an organization, I think that's where teams can get themselves in trouble is, um, you know, they, they think they've got a good young team. And then all of a sudden they go, they win a few more games and they might think that they, that they should have won preview you know, previously, does that lead them to make a trade where they throw some chips all in when they're not quite ready to go all in. And so um, that's why we talk about the one, the three and the five is to, to constantly be on the same page about what we're all looking at from, you know, a head coaching perspective from a GM perspective, and then all the way up to an ownership perspective. Um, And so we do that on the hockey side, and I think we've done a great job with that. We've uh, made the second round of the playoffs this year up in the bubble in in Edmonton. Um, That's the second year in a row we've been in the second round of the playoffs. And, uh, you know, we took the lead in game seven um, with three minutes to go, and unfortunately we weren't able to to eke out the win. And I know that our guys are going to have a a taste in their mouths to use as motivation coming back uh, for the next year, whenever that is. Right, right. It's all fluid yeah. right
0: now. It's all fluid. Exactly. It's all fluid right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. Want to talk about the Rams and 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 yeah. we were missed to talk about the Rams without talk. Let's talk about the stadium first. Like I know, like that's labor love and what a process and what a journey that's been. Talk a little bit about like what that journey's been like for the
1: stadium. Uh, the stadium. Yeah. So I mean, it it's it was a pr- year, multi year process. Um, as you well know, and. Um, for, all, for all the people out there, you know, it's SoFi Stadium here in, here in L.A. You know, the, the, field, the, the turf finally went in, I don't know, in late, you know, I guess want to say m- mid-August. And I went down there to kind of check it out. It was kind of the final piece they were, they were putting in. And um, I walked out to the 50-yard line and looked around. That was my first time really grasping um, the, the, the scale of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but I called him and I, and I said, you know, dad, I said, you know, we sat down for these meetings, um, you know, years ago, I remember you telling, uh, the architects that I think that you thought that the, one of the biggest risks of the project was undershooting this and not doing it to the, to the worthiness of, of, of Los Angeles, California. And I said, as I stand here on the 50 yard line, let me tell you, you did not undershoot this (laughs) and, uh, Um, it's absolutely beautiful. It's state of the art in every way. Um, the, the field, the open air sides, um, the, the clear roof that's on it, uh, still allows you to kind of feel as if you're in an, almost in an outdoor venue. Um, but you're able to host, uh, events that, um, require roofs. And, uh, I think it's going to be a great place for a long time for a lot of people. And I, like I said, I just can't wait for people to be able to get out and see it, uh, safely, of course. Of course, Josh. I've flown over it. Like when I'm landing in LAX, yeah. is it is it in the ground? Like, yeah, am I saying it's on the ball. The, the the seating bowl is 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 sunk down just a little bit. Yeah, um, and so when you come in, you're actually coming in um, basically at club level, and mm. so you'll come in and you'll and you'll come. In, so you come in and you'll come down. And uh, I think it's a and there's there's some other features that are hard to describe. But I think as people real, realize that it's a it's a indoor venue that still feels like you're outdoors it's 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 pretty cool pretty cool i saw um i
0: watched hard knocks um which i love yeah uh and uh it was pretty cool to get a sneak peek into the stadium and just seeing the players like reactions like they had phones out like
1: you know have you seen that that that? have you heard for us that was cool for us to see too and i and i I know that meant a lot to my to my father because of all one all the work that he's put in but two those are the moments that and especially right now in COVID, um, you don't really get to experience because you have to unfortunately have to limit your contact with others. And um, knowing my dad and, and the joy that he gets out of, of being, uh, you know, around all the, these teams that we're involved with is that he gets to be around the players and the coaches and the staff. And, you know, that he's not able to do that really right now very much. And so to see those reactions that were on hard knocks uh, to reaction to the stadium, I know he thought that was pretty cool. That's
0: dope, and I I assume you guys are equally, if not more, excited about the actual Rams team this
1: season. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Uh, I think you know Sean's done an unbelievable job. Sean and our general manager Les need, Kevin Demoff, and and the rest of the bunch. Um, but after the season last year, I think uh, you know Sean and I went out, grabbed a couple of drinks, and kind of had a you know season in review type sit down where we just kind of laugh and talk and he can vent about anything that he, that he thinks is, is good, vent about anything he thinks is bad. And um, my only words to him were just words of encouragement that says, you know, don't, even though we, I forget what we finished. um, But, you know, we were really just a couple of plays away and our Mm -hmm. division is the toughest in football, uh, in my opinion. Um, You know, we lost on a field goal, I think in Seattle as time expired. Um, We had, you know, San Francisco at, at <coughs> third and 20-something. We let them get out of our you – to know, slip, slip through our fingers. And so I was like, you know, don't try and reinvent the wheel and just believe in what you're doing and make some tweaks and come back stronger than ever. And I think that Sean Sean, and his staff have done an unbelievable job of just tweaking the roster a little bit. Um, and they've, re- they've got the belief of the players. And I think that, you know, there's a collective belief and uh, uh, there's an energetic young head coach. And so I think that's a pretty good combo. I love it. It's been fun to watch. Yeah. Like
0: I said, watching hard knocks was,
1: uh, and getting that sneak peek of the team and what you guys are building. Pretty wild though. It was, it was cool for me to see them going through the COVID stuff because you know, I, 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 am I'm, I'm, I say I'm desensitized to moments around to the teams and everything like that. But you know, when we're going in and out of training camp and we're flying around and we're doing this, but it was, it was cool for me to see the, the different protocols because I was on, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not able to go over there. And mm. uh, to see how, how they were approaching it. Um, and it was, you know, I think the NFL, I mean, they they they're we're going to have some challenges just like everybody will, but I think, you know, initially they've done, they've done a pretty good job. No, for sure. Like I said, it was pretty cool to watch not only
0: the team and, and the excitement around preparing for the season, but just the organization, seeing how you guys were preparing for the season yeah. and coach and just all the protocols and things you were putting yep. in place and thinking safety and health first, it was pretty yep. cool to get a sneak peek into that. Um, yeah. I, wa- I, I want to transition into uh, this little team called the Denver Nuggets. Uh, we'll get into how the season ended and the insane run in a second. Can you, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, right? It's like um, as a franchise, as an organization, you go into a season being realistic on what the priorities are. Hey, you know what? We can make a run to the chip. Hey, you know what? We're going to develop talent. Hey, you know what? We're going to do whatever we're going to do. You know, what were you, what, as much as you can share, going into the season, you know, what was the thought process? I know you felt really great about the roster, but what were you feeling going
1: into the season about the team? Um, going into the season? Which season? The the, the previous <laughs> season or the bubble season? Yeah, yeah <laughs> the previous regular
0: when the world was normal. Season, so one, yes.
1: one year ago right now. Um, yes, yes. Uh, insane. So... Um, you know, I think we were we were optimistic. Our guys, we made the second round of the playoffs in two thousand nineteen, um, and it was after failure of the previous two years that we really kind of reached uh, the playoffs. I guess last year in two thousand nineteen, um, and then we lost to the Blazers in seven games. And uh, but I think that the cool thing about those experiences is that the year prior, I mean the the, the groundwork of Uh, our run this year was actually laid several years ago um uh I think it was the first year that Russ averaged a triple double um but we we came we came within one one or two games of making the playoffs that year and then the following year we lost in overtime at at Minnesota um and they they snuck into the eighth spot yeah that's right yeah and um you know, we talked and we actually, we fell short of our goals those years, which was talking about the one, three and the five. We, we wanted to make the playoffs, um, but you come so close and you're doing it with a, you know, mostly younger group as your, you know, main guys, um, you know, scoring all your points, grabbing all your rebounds and playing big minutes. Uh, so you go through the analytics, you try to figure out where you can get better. And um, as I said to, to Coach Malone um, and Tim Connolly, our president of B-Ball Ops, uh, after we lost to Minnesota a couple of years ago, I said, I, I came into the locker room and everybody was so down and, you know, I could just, I didn't want everybody to get too down. I, I was, I was very, trust me, I was, I was mad too. Um, but down the stretch and going into overtime, you could start to see this Jamal Nicola thing developing. And um, we had, we had a 20, 20 or 21 year old and a 23 year old out there making plays that, you know, Hey, someone might've got a shot blocked. They might've wound up missing, you know, a step back jumper, but they were making heady plays and they were making the right plays down the stretch. And so I told coach Malone, I said, you know, guys, we should be encouraged and I I want to encourage you. Let's be bold. Let's, let's, I I believe in you guys. So let's believe, let's believe in what what we're seeing out there as well. And um, sure enough, you know, a year later our guys make the playoffs and they get tested in seven games in Santa against San Antonio um who you know as the best coach team in basketball they're always tough to beat and they snuck that out they got that experience then they went and beat or excuse me then they went and played the, the portland trailblazers and lost in seven games to them last year and those experiences they go a long long way um for the group and so you had the guys come back uh and you know i think that the break actually did us some good i think it possibly hurt other teams um but for us the 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 COVID break um, you know, I think everybody saw what Jamal did when they got to the bubble. Um I don't that that wasn't by accident. Jamal was working working his butt off the whole time. Um, Nikola, uh, you know, we talk about Nikola Jokic and um, you know, it's the overnight success story from you know Serbia that, you know, really has, you <laughs> know, worked 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 his tail off ever since he came in the door several years ago. Um and so uh, these guys, they've, they've, they've been together. They've got the continuity that, that that some of the things I talk about internally is, you know, I think continuity is a very underrated and powerful thing in pro sports. Um, when you have a group of people that are together for a while that have a common goal and they can read and react to one another and get better, I think that the ceiling just keeps getting higher and higher. And so to kind of like finally fast forward to this year, um, I think the bubble, the break did us a little bit of good. A couple guys came back stronger. Um, one in particular I gotta talk about is is uh Michael Porter, Michael Porter Jr. Our guy, our um, guy, yes. For, for 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 people like PR text Paul texted me the night of the NBA draft, <laughs> uh, when we when we drafted Michael Porter Jr. And uh I forget what you said that that day, PR, but you were like, yo, how in the world did this dude get to 14? Yes, yes, and I don't even know what I sent back other than probably a little smile emoji.
0: Yes. Um
1: but uh <laughs> you know, Michael, Michael really, really worked his butt off um, over over the break. Um, and then all of our role players, uh, you know, those guys, they, they really stepped up as well. And, you know, there was a collective belief. Um, and, you know, we got down 3-1 against Utah, who's a great basketball team, um, coached by my college coach, Quinn Snyder. Um, and they, you know, they're, they're a disciplined, well-coached team. And uh, they got up 3-1 on us. And I didn't know that that's where the the psychological aspect of being in the bubble i was positioned. on i I knew our our team was not going to go down quietly but the psychological aspect of the bubble i just didn't want to discount and so um when we got down 3-1 i wondered if we were going to have i knew we'd fight but you know if there came a point in time where it looked like we might lose i wondered if our it's it's human nature it is it is what it is and especially when you're trapped in a in a situation like you are in, in the bubble i think you know, we, there's there's not enough there's not enough that's get, gets talked about about those guys being being trapped in there. I mean, those the the, the right now the Lakers and the Heat, those guys have been in there since mid July, and I mean that's that's a long time. I mean, at least you know you and I were chatting a minute ago. I mean, we at least get to go outside and walk around the block. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they've they see the same people every day, and I think it's kind of gotten even weirder and more eerie as a ghost town as that's teams leave exit, exit yeah. the bubble. For sure, um, yeah. Um, So, you know, I was really proud of, you know, our guys overcoming the mental aspect of the bubble, which is, um, you know, if I lose this game, I can go home. And our guys six straight times came back from, you know, 3-1, 3-2, 3-3. And then they won they won the first series. And then fast forward to the next round against the Clippers. And, you know, we had after playing game seven against Utah, we had to play the Clippers 48 hours later. Wow. And, you know, that's – and so game one, I just – I said game one, you know, we should just sit all – we should sit all of our starters because that we should just write that game off and just start the series at 0-1. <laughs> and uh, we were able to come back, win game two, and then – or no, we won game two we won game three, I think. um doesn't matter, but wound up down 3-1 again, and it's the same, same sort of thing. It's like, man – and then now you're dealing with a, a Clipper team that has, you know, two superstars on it. And yeah. uh, you know, a, a pick of many pundits to to probably win the whole thing at one point in time. Absolutely. And so my dad and I went down there for game seven. Um, the avalanche season was already over. It was it was we, we didn't want to go into the bubbles for a lot of reasons, but um we, we couldn't make it to the hockey bubble. There was a little it was funny with the, the bubbles being up in Canada and the travel there. Um, uh, but for game seven we, we decided to go on down. And uh we went down, you had to have a test um sent in that showed you were negative prior to even going down there then you um you had to take a rapid test upon landing um and then once you then and then you were quarantined in your hotel until you got your results you know 30 45 minutes later and only then were you cleared into level four of the bubble um which was behind plexiglass kind of over in the corner a bunch of my friends saw me on tv like you know looked like i was in like a penalty box um (laughs) And, uh, so was, was it surreal,
0: they, Josh, was it surreal like being there in the bubble like just I know it was like every movement's controlled places you can go access things you have access to things you can't do. You couldn't come in contact with the players, correct?
1: No, um, we could not. So uh, after we won the game, I mean, Jamal and Nicola, Coach, Coach Malone knew we were there and um, he, po- he po- pointed to a couple of our guys and they were there's some said they're waving, but we were way up over in the corner. Um, wow. and we are behind, behind plexiglass and it, it was very, it was very weird. I mean, and, and, and PR, you get this cause you've been in a lot of gyms, but like when you go into a high school gym and like, it's the squeak of the sneakers, it's the bounce of the ball. And like, it was more quiet in there than a high school gym. I mean, you have like the fans that are there, but the fans wow. are family and like, they're kind of sitting in a socially distanced manner, like near the court. Um, there's only so much noise they can make. Um, but there's not really that group of people where you'd hear a roar or anything like that. We could hear the players chirping back and forth. And it was a very unique experience to, to witness uh, a basketball game. Um, Same thing with the Rams. I mean, you know, we were talking about the game yesterday versus the giants and like, you can hear, you can, I mean, I can't hear the snap count by any means, but you can hear the quarterback, you can hear coaches yelling. As the play starts, you can hear, you know, coaches yelling out pass run, you know, I mean, it's, it's a different environment being around wow. these games without fans because just because of the, the stuff that you hear and, and you realize that the different chatter of what goes on uh, in these different games that we're seeing.
0: Yeah, I tell people it's like what we as fans here at home watching on television is a very different experience than what the players themselves are experiencing inside the bubble, you know, and it's like you yeah. take a player, Yep. Like LeBron that's been in the league 17 years, and it has to be an eerily different just scenario where now you're playing. I mean, look, I didn't play a high level of basketball, but there was always at least parents going crazy in the stands. Yeah. Like, I can't. <laughs> you know, like just the squeak of sneakers and just the, the silence yeah. and, and having to get pumped up for playoff basketball.
1: Like it was definitely a different experience. And you have one game. You sense that from the door, right? No, for sure. That was that was the one thing I was most curious to see, because we're so used to having people around and the energy of what's supplied by a crowd, good or bad. Some guys, I think, feed off of people yelling at them more than they yeah. feed off of people cheering for them. Um, but, you know, it's, it's weird because, you know, and especially for our group, um, you know, our guys are, are we're, we're a younger team. A lot of our guys aren't married. Um and so it's not like their wives and kids were coming down. And then, you know, not only that, but you had like school starting. So our guys that did have kids, their usually their school, wife was yeah. the why was at yeah. school and stuff. And yeah. so there was real life issues kind of mixed in with this whole bubble experiment. And um it was just a, a, a wild and you know, I, I hope somebody's gonna, you know, document and tell the whole story of, of the bubble and the different experiences down there because this is this is a moment in time that we'll all look back on and just kind of shake our heads and go, wow, you know, remember that time that, you know, LeBron James played against Jimmy Butler in the NBA Finals and there was, you know, 10 people there watching, <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, absolutely. It's, it, it,
0: it's incredible. It's incredible. Absolutely. I, I have told yeah. anyone that'll listen, and it's not because you're my very good friend. It's not because you're on my podcast. I have told anyone that'll listen in the last month that if I had my pick of organizations and rosters, to pick from, it's you guys. I mean, you guys have such young talent with big game experience, you know, like the sky is the limit. Like, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. do you guys feel that excitement? i like, just, you guys are like, in my opinion, ahead of schedule on like where you guys yeah. are, should be given the talent I think and the we're, age.
1: Yeah, I think we're, you know, I think we're really excited about, about the group both now and, and headed into the future. Um, you know, I, I'm always going to be the cautious optimist, um, but you know, I think that this group um, it's taken a while to put it together. You know, Denver, um, you know, the, the benefit of being in a, in a market like Los Angeles with the Rams and in mm-hmm. London with Arsenal, um, you understand how, how you can build different teams across different markets. And being in Denver, we have to build our basketball team slightly differently than some other franchises might. And so this has been a, a, a slow build over time. And we've been very careful with how we've done it. Um, we've we've definitely made mistakes, but you know I think we've we've pivoted off those mistakes quite as quickly as possible. Um, and uh, we've wound up you know in a place where we're we've got some flexibility on on our salary cap heading into this this off season. Um, we've got a great young team. Um, most of our guys are are already under contract or um, they're heading into free agency where we can you know hopefully work out a reasonable deal while they haven't batted a thousand they've, they've done really well in the draft. Um, and you knew, you and I have spoken about the draft a lot. And I think if you can, if you can hit on draft picks, you can wind up masking a lot of mistakes. And, you know, when those opportunities arise, are you ready to pounce? And we had another talking about Michael Porter. We had another one last year where, um, I had actually already left and gone home, um, from, we do the draft in kind of this back room at Pepsi center in Denver, and it uh, had gotten late and it was already, you know, 10 picks into the second round. And I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of here. And uh, so I drove home and like, as I was driving home, Tim calls me, Tim Connolly, And he's like, Hey man, he's like, no one's, no one's picked bull, bull, bull yet. <laughs> and I was like, really? I was like, where are we? And he's like, he's like, he's like, we're at like pick 35. And he's like, I don't know how we're going to do it, but he's like, you know, is it cool if we, if we, we use some cash to like, you know, buy a pick if the opportunity comes up. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, it's fine with me. I was like, let me, let me, let me, let me run, let me double check with the big guy. Um, So I, I told, told my dad about the opportunity and you know, my dad, he, he follows all different sports as well. You know, we always have these little jokes where if something, if an opportunity comes up is if it's one on, if it's on the don't call me list and just do it, (laughs) <laughs> um the, the the bull bull pick was on the you know, don't call me, just do it because we don't want to yeah. lose the deal. And yeah. um and just you know, you take take flyers on, on young men like that. And you know, with Michael and Bull, um, you know, those two guys are they're, they're they're very good young young men um on a personal level. Uh and they both have have a love for the game. And I think, you know, when you start with those two as kind of your foundation pieces you work through a lot of things. And with those two young men in particular, you had to sit them for a year almost because of the, the different injury concerns. Yep. And, uh, you know, being 19, 20 years old, that's the last thing that you want to do when you're that age. Uh, I, you know, I did. Well, I didn't live that experience personally. I know what would have happened if I had something wrong with my foot or my back. And I would have, you'd have had to kill me to kind of pull me you off the hoop. court because that's all yeah, you, you want to do. Hoop. You want to you yeah. hoop. And so we kind of got to keep the you got to kind of keep the horse in the barn a little bit and uh, let them let them heal. And using modern medicine and rest, um, you know, I think those, those two young men are in position though to have big fact, a big impact on our team going forward. Um, and that's, you know, that's outside of Jamal, Nicola, Will Barton wasn't it wasn't in the bubble with us. Monty Morris did an unbelievable job all, all of our role players and our guys Paul Millsap being our veteran leader yeah that's right. Uh, I mean you know we've, we've got a great bunch they're no nonsense and they 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 believe in each other and they believe in the group that they can they can beat teams and so while the rest of the NBA and the rest of the world might have been a little surprised by um, our guys doing what they did in the bubble uh, I think that you know our guys fully believe that that's something they're capable of and they were they were upset when they got knocked out by the Lakers, even though everybody else was probably picking them to move along as well. And I think that, you know, even though you're going up against, you know, the, the best player in the world, our guys, they want to beat them. And they want to beat them very badly. And uh, they respect the heck out of them. Um, but, you know, if you're going to be the best, you got to try to beat the best. And I think that was probably the best part about what our guys got out of the bubble experience was um, they got two, two more seven-game series. They became the first team to ever come back uh three to one twice in the same postseason and then they now have postseason experience against the best player in the world and um you know lebron is you know i think they're up two to one right now i watched part of the game last night um but you know going up against the going up against the best is only going to make you you better and i think that's what our guys really got out of this this spring was seeing what the best does Um, you know, in the postseason when when things are, you know, the stakes are at their highest.
0: Yeah, I think it's a testament to you guys, man. It's like, you know, having the the, uh, pleasure and honor of spending so much time around LeBron, you hear him talk about, like, um, you know, best-in-class franchises, right, Mm -hmm. across any sport. And, you know, what you guys have been able to do with, like, developing young talent, with telling young talent, hey, you know what? We don't need to win today. We're going to sit you. We're going to sit you, Michael Porter Jr. And you may be ready to play, though, back half of the season. We're going to sit you. Hey, Bo-Bo, we're going to let you heal a little bit, you know, these situations. Um, And seeing how you guys have evolved. And for me, the culmination of it wasn't even beating the Clippers. It was obviously a huge accomplishment. In my opinion, as your friends, as your friend, what, like, defined what you guys have created as an organization with the Denver Nuggets, was when you guys beat the Clippers in game seven and they're interviewing Jamal and Joker and they're asking them about like, hey, how are you gonna go up against the Lakers? They have LeBron and they have AD and they're this and they're that and they're this and they're that. And they respectfully were like, hey, they're a great team. We respect them, but they got to worry about us too. <laughs> and I just thought like it was such a prideful moment, like as your friend, yeah. like, oh, look at the young yeah. guys. <laughs> like, like, it's like, I just feel you guys have created a culture you know, mm-hmm. with the Nuggets, that's, you know, something like I told you like yeah. when you guys lost, I sent you a text and I was like, man, you guys shit, congrats, you guys are ahead of the curve on this thing. So do you feel that? Do you feel like that you guys have shifted the culture? With
1: the yeah. Nuggets? Yeah. And, you know, I think that and that's, you know, to to, to use your words and, and relate it back to something that I said kind of earlier, like, um, you know, it starts with a feeling and a belief um, that you're heading in the right direction. You know, it's probably been, you know, four or five years. Uh, On the Nugget side, it's been, I know, several years on the Avalanche side, um, but you feel that culture start to shift and you believe that you're heading in the right direction and you know that you have the right people in the right positions to help you succeed. You see the talent on the floor and the right personalities to complement each other, but also challenge each other kind of in, in a good way. Um... And, you know, we've seen that um, over the the last several years, and it was cool to see them take the next step in the bubble. And related back to kind of what you talked about over at Arsenal, that's kind of the feeling that I have over at Arsenal right now as well. Um, it was, uh, you know, a crazy six months, eight months, ten months now um, when we hired Mikel last December, Arteta. Um, and then, you know, the transfer window just ended today. I'm not sure when this will air, but, you know, the transfer window just ended today. Uh, We signed a a defensive midfielder from from Atletico Madrid um, that's going to help us immensely. Um, And was a very, uh, you know, tactical need for for our head coach and someone that was identified by our technical director. And so I'm really excited about the direction of that group, because like you said, it starts with a feeling. And uh, even though culture is kind of gets cliched at times, um, it's a very real thing and something that that I believe strongly in.
0: I love it. So before I get you out of here, I have Mm -hmm.
1: three more things to
0: you. Quick hitters. These are like we talked about the business. We handled like Arsenal and Avalanche and the Nuggets and the Rams and the Stadium. Now I'm now I'm selfishly talking about my passions. Right? <laughs> selfishly me. Um Screaming Eagle, talk to me about like one of the things I respect so much about like Stan and you and your moms and just the family is like, you know, I've had the luxury of like vacationing with you. It's like, listen a lot of people have money. Not everyone has tastes. I like to say, it's like, you know, I will give, you know, your parents like the ultimate, ultimate like props. I'm like, it's about taste. And I feel like everything you guys do is at a, at, a, at a certain bar. Um, whether that's how you treat the people that work with and for you, whether that's the things you guys partake in, um, which is the ultimate compliment I can, I can give you guys. It's like, you know, and I feel like Screaming Eagle is like one of the best examples of that, of like a best in class, you know, IP you guys. So talk to me about a little bit at a high level about Screaming Eagle, please. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, well, I mean, first of all, um, you know, this being several days after the fires in Napa, I got to send true. my best out to that entire region. Um, we're involved with uh, Meadowwood Hotel in Napa and a lot of that got burned. There were vineyard near, vineyards nearby that went, um, lots of obviously home structures, things of that nature. Um, but Screaming Eagle was fortunately able to, um, escape the fire directly. Um, we'll see how the smoke, the smoke in the region kind of affects the, uh, the plants and everything and the grapes. But, um, for the most part, I think, uh, you know, no one was injured over at the Meadowwood fire. And, you know, as, as long as everybody's okay, we can, things can be rebuilt. The wine business. I don't know. I mean, I, I finally asked my dad one time, I said, you know, you, you invest in things that, that really lead to a lot of different interesting conversations and that people enjoy kind of either going to talking about. And uh, he kind of winked at me and he's like, well, you know, it's not, it's not not by design, but it's not by design. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so he invests, you know, in, in his, in his interests and um we, our family has a we're you know, we're we're a real estate family that has kind of spun off into a lot of different things. That's kind of how I classify the sports business is, you know, we're, the the original Denver deal was a, a stadium and this, you know, the stadiums was a oh, real estate and this, they just happened to have, they happened to have some tenants as well. That for sale. <laughs> and so and the two teams and then, then, you know, now here we are with the Rams. That's a, that's a real estate deal out here in Los Angeles, but the wine business, uh, that's an interesting one. And I, you know, I, I could sit here and I could try to try to BS as much as I can about the wine business, but, I'm big into consumption. I don't know if I'm big into education <laughs> just yet. I'm working on it. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun, man. And um, the Screaming Eagle, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. I know you you tasted it before, um, and it really, you know, it's it's to me, it's the best wine in the world. Even though everyone can debate it, um, from a Cabernet standpoint, I think it's the best wine in North America. Um you gotta be very very careful with a brand like that uh because um of what it means to so many different people, you know, outside of the the just the, the vineyard itself. Um but it's a very very small piece of land in Napa Valley and they just happen to have some of the best grapes around.
0: All I know is I don't know a ton about wine. I'm learning. Um shout out to Mav, he's helped hey, me. You, you and my, me both, you, know? you and me both, yeah, shout, <laughs> out to Mav. shout out to Mav who's helped us with our with our wine knowledge. Um, all I know Mav, is when I maps maps big into both education and consumption.
1: So yes, for sure, <laughs> for sure.
0: All I know is that when Mab and I go to your home in LA, the wine is plentiful and it is incredible. That's all I know. That's all I need to know.
1: Well, usually there's a game on, and if there's a game on, we got to have a glass of wine if we're going to sit around and talk about whatever's going on on TV.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so I have two more from you. One more. One is, yes. and and again, I didn't prep you. I didn't send you any questions. We're just having conversation. I very rarely do any research and I feel like a responsibility to like my listeners and viewers. I'm like, let me like at least google some shit just to make sure I'm not missing anything.
1: That's what we do.
0: And and this may be a pivotal point in our friendship, Josh, what I'm about to ask you right now. Oh, yeah, wow. big, yes. Yes, sure, I'm playing that card. It. Does Cronky Sports and Entertainment own a theme park? Okay, so
1: um, how am I just
0: we, finding out? Like this is this is a really big. This is gonna be a really big thing.
1: No, okay, so it, it's actually it's a it's a trick question and a trick answer.
0: Okay, talk to um,
1: But but the answer it's it's it's, well, it's, it's a trick question with not really not really a trick question not really a trick answer, but the answer is yes and no, but the okay. answer is yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we own yes we own. Um, Uh, There is a theme park in uh, Denver, Colorado, uh, Six Flags, and it is one of the last remaining and one of the few of it's that kind that is really built downtown and had the city grow around it. And so this is right next to Pepsi Center and it's a contiguous piece of property that exists right next to Pepsi Center and so the theme park we own we own the six flags in denver uh it's called
0: elias Elitch Gardens. yeah six there Six flags
1: yeah thank you elish gardens i yes. just had a, a spacey moment for a second um, it's the screaming eagle it's the screaming eagle yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's it's a it's a staple of downtown denver it operates seasonally i think between probably you know summer months um but we're looking at you know highest and best use for the land trying to figure out what the what the property is and. Figuring out uh, potentially, you know, a place to relocate the the park around the city um, that's more of a destination as opposed to you know highest and best use for land uh, located so centrally in Denver. So you know, back to real estate, you know, your answer is 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 complicated. It's a yes, <laughs> it's
0: a no, it's this, it's <laughs> that. Hey, um, hey, let me let me let me say this. I have never asked you for tickets to a Rams game, Nuggets game, Avalanche, Arsenal. Hang on, saying, are you on, are you
1: saying you want to cut the line?
0: I just want the easy pass
1: or whatever <laughs> it's called, man. I just,
0: I, I just want to be able to enjoy the rides, man. That's all I want. I don't ask for much. Can, can we make right, that I happen might, at I some point? I might know
1: a guy. I might know a guy. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do my best. I'll do my That's best. All That's all I that ask. That's all I ask. Don't,
0: I don't ask for much, man. But Josh, before I get you out of here, I think, you know, as we've gone through, like, the journey of, like, you know. I had no idea where that question was headed. Oh, like, you, you did know. it. <laughs> <laughs> you got Based nervous, on our you adventures got together, that
1: question could have gone a lot of directions. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. My last thing for you, Josh, is given. You know, we just walked through a little bit, like a very small portion of like Cronky Sports and Entertainment and your role, your growing role in it, and an amazing job <laughs> Stan's done, and and your mom, and that's a whole separate conversation. All the things she's into, and and and, and things of that nature. I guess what I want to ask you is like, for young executives. Um, that, you know, have a lot of things going on that aren't sure, you know, which is going to be the thing that like takes off or whatnot. What's the best advice you can give? You know, you don't have the luxury of focusing just on the nuggets or just on Arsenal or just on the avalanche. Um, Any any keys to success or anything you can impart, any wisdom you can impart and just like how you're able to manage across different portfolios and just be successful at the highest levels?
1: Um, you know, this was something that I had to really work on, um, because, you know, to be frank, I think to learn, to learn different businesses, you have to kind of get in and you know get your feet wet, get your hands dirty, and you got to start digging, um, to kind of play out this metaphor. You got to start digging and with your hands, your feet, everything that you can. Um, I and mean, you have to get as deep as you can. Um, but to, to get to where I am, which is what I would refer to as an inch deep and a mile wide, as opposed to, you know, an inch wide and a mile deep. Um, you know, there was different lessons I had to learn along the way. And, you know, the main one that I would tell anybody that's coming up in business at any age, what it is, you know, and how they're applying themselves to whatever task is at hand. Um, don't be afraid of what you don't know. Um, you know, as, you know, somebody that, has grown up around real estate has been around the sports business for a number of years now. Um, a lot of times I think people just expect me to understand something and I might understand it, but they might have a different terminology for some slightly different terminology. you know, however it is. And so, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions, even if you feel like it's something that you probably should know. And, you know, as a young man coming up, especially in my early, th- early thirties, there were times where I was almost afraid to ask questions because I was like, oh man, should I, should I know this? Like, but it's like flush it to get on the same page with everybody. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be on the same page with everybody. And that includes asking questions, even if you feel they're not, I'd say not appropriate, but don't, don't be afraid of what you don't know. Always have your eyes and ears open. Uh, sometimes there's people around that you think are good influences that may not be. Um, and that, that exists, especially so in sports because it's a very competitive environment. Um, you know, as much as we all support each other, we all want to win. And that that plays out in a lot of different areas, obviously on the court. Uh and then, you know, I guess the last one that I would say is be confident in yourself. Um, you know, if you're able to put yourself in a position where you're gonna have an opportunity, then you're smart enough to be able to put yourself to have an opportunity. And so trust your gut. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't bounce ideas off people, but trust your gut and, and, and know that, that what you're saying might not be the right answer, but you could be suggesting something that someone else might grasp onto and help build off that idea. And I've had those moments in time where it wasn't necessarily 100% my idea, but I had a suggestion where someone from a more senior position or veteran position was able to latch onto that and say, you know what, we can't do it that way, but boom, and then, and then you're off and running. And so be confident in yourself. Um, and just trust your gut. And you know, at the end of the day, I always say to our players too, if you're not having fun, you're probably in the wrong business. And so mm-hmm. um, you know, trust your gut. And if if, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then, then find something else to do.
0: I love it. I, I, I said that was gonna be the last thing. I kind of lied. I have one more thing I want to ask you. Um, we start bringing it's it up. It's about
1: when we're going to like skiing, snowboarding. Oh, I, need like I need
0: it. I need as I need aspen again. I need something. I need, I need
1: to do something, man. I need regular I'm world stuff. It. I'm missing it. I'm missing it.
0: (laughs) Let me ask you, you start, we started this conversation with you saying when you started your career, you know, you jokingly said you were finding reasons not to be in the family business, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I know, I know for a fact we've had these conversations, how proud you are of your family business, how proud you are of what your dad has established, how much you still learn to this day from Mm -hmm. what, you know, your dad does. It's not something you run from. Um, I guess two-part question. One is, you're a young exec. You're a very young exec. Um, what do you want the Cronky legacy to be, right, when it's all said and done? And what would you like Josh Cronkey's legacy to be when it's all said and done? Oh man. I know that's loaded. But-
1: I've never been asked this question before. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, I guess, number one, from a, from a KSE perspective, I want our legacy to be winning. I want our legacy to be winning and community impact. Um, I think that, you know, these these teams that I'm so fortunate to be involved with, um, really more so than, you know, as I as I joked to my dad when we were going through um, a couple of things the other day about, you know, Arsenal and, and, and the transfer stuff that was going on. Um, and I got to pinch myself at, at some of the conversations that I wind up in because as a kid growing up, as a sports nut, I was, you know, I was always a fan of these different things that I saw as I saw them going on around the world. And now I'm, you know, fully involved in, in the middle of them. The The cool thing about these, these teams, these franchises, these clubs that we're, that we're in, is that they're in the, the day that people might say that, you know, my family owns, owns the team, owns the club, owns the franchise. um, But really they're, they're owned by the communities. um, And we just happen to be what I would say, you know, it's, cliche and i've been made fun of online by by different fan bases for saying it but it's the truth i mean we're we're custodians of these things and you're you're trying to do the best job that you can because you make so many people proud um when you're really you know in the middle of of, of these these teams i mean at the end of the day i mean you're you're a fan i mean you want to be able to go to the water cooler on you know monday morning and be able to Absolutely. brag to your buddy and that's the type of pride that exists all around the world with these, with these different teams. And, um, and so, you know, we want to win. I think that brings a certain amount of pride, but community involvement uh, because they, they, they become so in, so ingrained in the local community, whether it's in London here with the Rams in LA or in Denver with the Nuggets avalanche, you know, we haven't talked about the Colorado Rapids and MLS um, or our lacrosse team, the Colorado mammoth much, but those are all in the fabric of the community. And so, to be out in the community and impacting people going around, seeing kids um, and visiting people and then bringing up people's spirits and their lives along the way. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. The power of sports, man. It's uh, it's, you know, my dad always said, use sports as a, as a metaphor for life. And it's like teamwork, you know, sacrifice and hard work. And, you know, you, 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 you put those strings and apply those things to a lot of areas of your life. And, and you can, you can make something of yourself.
0: You know, it's been really, inspiring to see the role sport has played. I know it's two people that have committed their lives to sports. Um, It's really dope to see like the role it's played in it. And and I'm excited to see what else you guys do at KSC. Um, You know, I'm excited to meet you at the amusement park, you know, hopefully next summer, if I'm being honest, you know, eat a little funnel cake or something.
1: I'll have a funnel cake and a, and a, and a, and a fast pass with your hey, name on it. Hey,
0: I don't ask so much. Funnel cake and fast pass? I'm in. I'm in. You right, keep man. floor seats, this all that stuff? That's easy. all I ask.
1: <laughs> See, most, most people ask for floor seats and a Screaming Eagle. I can get oh, you a funnel listen. cake and a fast pass. We're good. <laughs> listen, I don't need
0: 50-yard line, uh, courtside, floor, Screaming Eagle. Little funnel cake, little fast pass. That's all I ask. Got it. Easy, easy, <laughs> Josh, easy. easy. Josh, Cron- Josh Cronky, man. Listen, brother, I appreciate you. I, more than anyone, know how extremely busy you are. I appreciate you giving me the time. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in LA and us enjoying a drink in person, man.
1: And meeting, meeting the, new, the
0: new member to, to the family, wherever she oh, is yeah. right she, now.
1: She finally, well, here, hang I'll give you a quick one. She finally, <laughs> let me see, where she's at. She finally yeah, fell asleep. She is. She feels I how we all asleep. feel right now. Yeah, exactly. Her. She finally fell asleep.
0: Gosh, I appreciate you, brother. Um, I'll see you hopefully in person, and we'll we'll enjoy a glass together, like old All times. Right,
1: All right, man. Hi, brother. Sounds good. Take All care. Peace. Peace.